third verse, on the third. First John, First John chapter five, and uh, oops, I got the wrong sermon out. <laughs> oh man, I think that's the one I was going to do this morning. Yeah, okay. First John chapter five. Oh my goodness, we're going to read the whole chapter, chapter five. I want to share a message entitled "That Ye May Know." I thought it would be great to go through and uh, think about what we know as uh, far as it's Communion Sunday and uh, thinking of the fact that when we trust Christ as our Savior, God, He gave us a great memorial service. We uh, come to the Lord's table in the re realm of the known, the things that we remember what Christ did for us. And so I thought it would be good to go through and just uh, reminisce and think about the things that we know. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world... And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son." He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave us, uh, gave of uh, his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, uh, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin that is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life uh, for them that sin not unto death. For there, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is uh, a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this precious word. I pray that you give us some thoughts here this morning. Uh, just stir our memories of all that we have in Christ and all that he has done for us. And Lord, may we uh, rejoice in the assurances that we have as believers in Christ that heaven is our home. Uh, this world's not our home. Uh, we're just passing through. And Lord, we're excited about the fact one day we'll be able to stand in the presence of Christ. And so I pray that you bless the preaching this morning, uh, encourage our hearts and strengthen us, Lord, with the things that you remind us of how, what we've experienced, what we enjoy, what we ex our expectations are, and certainly what our life is as it's hid in Christ. And so bless the preaching of the Word of God in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13 is our text. It's a familiar verse we often use for assurance when we lead someone to Christ says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It's amazing in this chapter uh, of John, 1 John chapter 5, of how much John is reminding us about things that we know. And he literally is offering up to us the evidences of actually being sons of God. You know, Jesus said, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Well, there's evidences uh, in this chapter supporting our relationship as a son. Notice, first of all, in 1 John chapter 3, there's obedience. In 1 John chapter 3, in uh, verse 3 through 8, it says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of all. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. For whosoever, he, um, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he said, He that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For the pur this purpose, uh, the Son of God was manifested, 
uh, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we're obedient unto the Lord. The evidences of the fact that we're a child of God is we acknowledge that what God commands us to do and what he commands us to be uh, is uh, seen in our lives. That's why in chapter 5, where we read in verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So there's a different relationship that exists between someone who trusts Christ as their Savior and someone who does not. There is a spirit of obedience and a longing and a desire to be obedient unto the Lord. But then there's also truth. We are bound to truth in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1 through 3. He deals with the truth in chapter 5 he does, but he tells us in chapter 4 verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. In the very every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come even now already is in the world. And so the Christian, the believer, knows that, that they're a child of God. Because we embrace the truth of God. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are many false witnesses. There are many false spirits. There are many antichrists out there. But the evidences of being a son or a child of God is that we embrace truth. We don't allow ourselves to be drawn away by false uh, narratives and false information. So uh, we see evidences through the obedience of the children of God we see the evidence through the truth that we hold to as believers in Christ. And then, of course, uh, we deal with the love of God. Uh, we respond in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And so the evidences or proofs, if you will, the securities of the believer is there's evidences that show forth that we're a child of God and they are seen whether we're being obedient, whether we're embracing the truth or whether we're exercising the love that we have one for another. And so he go, continues as through, you go through 1 John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, he deals with the knowledges all that the Christian knows because of what God reveals to them. And uh, in chapter 5, notice several verses here. In chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God. So he's telling us this is something you ought to know. This is something you ought to experience. Notice in uh, verse 15 of 1 John 5, he says, And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And so as the evidences are showing forth that we're a child of God, then it impresses upon us the reality that we know that we love one another and we know that God loves us and we know that because of that relationship, then we can cry out to God and ask of God and he hears us and answers our prayer. And then notice in verse 18, he says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. 
But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches them not. And so he said, we know uh, that, that we are not uh, enticed and overcome and defeated by the lust of the flesh and sin, because whosoever is born of God doesn't sin. The word sinneth not literally means to habitually sin over and over and over again. Every one of us can fall into sin. Every one of us have to deal with temptations that we have to uh, deal with in our life. But we do not have to be consumed of those things because God has given every temptation a means and ability for the Christian to escape it. And uh, so uh, we know that in verse 19 it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Yeah, it's amazing that, that the world, somebody that's unsaved, looks at the world and sees all the good that's in it and this, that, and the other. But the Christian, we have a different vantage point. We have a different viewpoint. We, we know that we're of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. There is an absolute defined difference between how a Christian thinks and how the world thinks. There is a defined difference between how a Christian lives their life and how the world lives their life. And then also he tells us in verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. Uh, people, over the years I've had people say, well, how do you know you're right and everybody else is wrong? I just know it. Uh, God has showed me in his word. God has convicted me on my heart. God has confirmed it over and over again. And if I didn't believe that I was right, and what I'm trusting the word of God to say, I'd, I'd be something else. But the reality is there's a conviction that comes across, across the heart of the believer that secures us with the reality that God is true and that he did send his son into this world. And uh, because of that, we can comprehend the reality of a true God with eternal life. And uh, the world doesn't have that. Many people are in churches this morning that they just don't have that confirmation in their heart. And so John is helping us uh, to be assured these are things that you need to know. So I want, let's go through the chapter here and think of this. First of all, that we may know, you may know what? We know what a Christian is. And uh, people say this matter of people are Christians, they just lump everybody into basically whoever is not Jewish or whoever is not Muslim is a Christian. But that's not a reality. That, that's not truth. Uh, we know what a Christian is. A Christian, first of all, is someone who has experienced a new birth. It's when in verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And so there has to be a born-again experience. Jesus told uh, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And so we know that there has to be a new birth experience. And don't, don't, don't be intimidated by the world to think that you have to identify everybody as Christians when you know they're not a Christian. And uh, I remember I was a Jehovah Witness I was witnessing to. They had knocked on my door. This was years ago. And uh, they knocked on my door, and they uh, were going on. The guy just got frustrated because I just kept dealing with the deity of Christ with him. He got so frustrated, and he finally just said this. Well, yeah, you know, well, we just need to acknowledge that, you know, we may disagree, but we're, we're all Christians. 
And I looked at him and said, no, that's not right. And I said, that's not even what you believe. I said, the reality is, I'm a Christian, you're not. And boy, he got mad and he stormed off and never did come back to my house again. But uh, uh, a person who is a Christian is a person who has been born again. It doesn't matter what relationship they have, what religion they have, what uh, information or knowledge they have. If they have not been born again, they're not a Christian. And so we know this. As a Christian, we know that, but it's hard for someone who's not saved to understand it. Before I got saved, I always thought I was a Christian, but the reality is I wasn't until I was 27 years old and I got born again. So we know what a Christian is. Not only has he experienced a new birth, but he exercises the love he has received. In other words, it creates a longing or a desire in us that causes us to be different towards other people. And uh, notice in verse 1, the last part of the verse, it says, "...and that everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also, that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments." And so immediately there is a love towards those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I just, it's a natural thing. It's interesting just to look at the, the hatred that's in the world. And, you know, President Trump with the, has COVID. And, I mean, just some of the stories I was looking at, and I'm just, it's, it's so gross and so immoral. Um, hoping that he dies and all this, that, and the other. Don't, don't turn around and say something like that and then turn around and say, well, I'm a Christian. Because when you say anything like that, you're showing forth the evidences that you're not a Christian. It doesn't matter if people hate you, doesn't matter if people abuse you and persecute you, it doesn't matter the love of Christ that has been received in our hearts. He loved us when we were, should have been condemned to hell. He loved us when we were yet sinners, and we're supposed to love that way also. So what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's been born again. The Christian is someone who exercises the love that he has received. And you say, well, they just are wicked people. They're, they're, just, they're just violent. Yeah, I know. That's what you were, and that's what I was. But God loved us in that condition. And so if you want to be showing forth the evidences, you want people to know that you're a Christian, then you love others the way God loved us. And so he ex exercises the love he has received. In verse 3, notice, he is energized by his obedience. Verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. In other words, we don't look at the commandments of God that is something that is burdensome on us. We're energized to obey what God says. We're excited about living according to what God's commands are given to us. I, I don't know where I, it started and where uh, this concept has developed among Christians that we should not be energized to obey God. Uh, we need to be excited about doing everything that the world has to offer, but you know, we don't want to be burdened with this thing of God said, thou shalt not. But the reality is, a Christian, we know what a Christian is. A Christian is someone 
who's excited about and energized about uh, obeying the commands of God, being obedient. You know, it's interesting. You get somebody, you get kids on a team, on a football team, whatever, and you start telling them what the rules are, what the requirements are, what's expected of them because they're excited about playing football. I mean, they're energized to do everything that they're required of to be on that team. Why is it we can't be energized to be a Christian in reference to obeying what God has designed us to be and how we're supposed to live? So we know what a Christian is. They're energized by his uh, obedience. Uh, also, in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 5, says, is, is he's enabled to have victory. Notice in verse 4, he says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And so a Christian is enabled to have victory in our life. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Uh, we are on the winning side, and because we're on the winning side, then we can have victories. Whatever the problem is in your life, whatever it is that's overwhelming you, you can have victory over it. And I, I'm just thankful for the victories that I personally have experienced. I'm thankful for the victories that oftentimes we take testimonies and people will share uh, what God's done in their life and how they've gotten victory in different areas of their life. We do not have to live a life of defeat because Jesus Christ has set us free. He has put us in a position of being a conqueror rather than someone that is being destroyed. And so we know what a Christian is. Not only do we know what a Christian is, but we know who Jesus is. In uh, verses 6 through 13 of this chapter, notice in verse 6, we know who Jesus is by divine truth. By divine truth. In uh, verse 6 says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. And so the divine truth of God has revealed who Jesus Christ is. Uh, the divine truth of God as Jesus walked on the face of the earth and he always gave, uh, spoke the truth to man. He always accomplished the will of his Father in heaven. And so everything that we know about Jesus Christ is not by human experience, but rather by divine truth. And uh, oftentimes people say, well, I think. It doesn't really matter what you think about Jesus Christ. Uh, it's matter. What matters is what does truth reveal about Jesus Christ? And so uh, by divine truth, not only by divine truth, but in verse 7, by divine harmony. Notice in verse 7 it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And so you see the divine harmony within the Godhead. Uh, we see Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We see there's no oh, um, oh, uh, jealousy, there's no friction, there's no conflict within the Godhead. They're in complete harmony. They're in complete agreement about uh, who they are, who man is, and what Jesus Christ was going to accomplish when he came into this world. And so we know who Jesus is, not just by divine truth that we reveal, because Jesus had searched the scriptures, and they are they that speak of me. 
But we not only know by divine truth that God has given to us, but we know it by the divine harmony that God would cry out from heaven and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus would say, I'm going, now it is time for me to glorify my father, which is in heaven. Complete divine harmony. Jesus said, I'll give you another comforter, uh, alas paracletus, one who's exactly like me, that he may abide with you forever. Everything that Jesus Christ is, is confirmed in the reality of the harmony of the Godhead in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I see also, we know who Jesus is by divine witness. Notice in verse 8, it says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which hath testified of his son. I love verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was so commanded the children of Israel that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And the amazing thing is this, the divine witness of God is the spirit and the water and the blood that are all in agreement with each other because that is the witness of God that he testified of his son. And so we know who Jesus Christ is because of the witness or the testimony of God himself. And so we see, uh, we know who Christ is by divine truth and harmony and witness, but also by the divine record. Notice in verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And so this, in verse 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And so the divine record of God. Uh, God is the one who has established a means of salvation through a sacrifice. That sacrifice had to be a blood sacrifice all the way back with Cain and Abel in Genesis and all the way through the life of Abraham, the sacrifices would be offered up and through the instruction of Moses, the children of Israel would offer up the blood sacrifices in order for man to be delivered and man to be saved and man to have the blessings of God all the types of prophecies in the Old Testament pointed towards the Messiah that would come, that he would be a suffering Messiah and that he would die on Calvary. All of it lays a map or roadmap, if you will, towards Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And the record was established by God and God alone. And so we know who Christ is by divine record. This is the record that God's given us, that he sent his son into this world to die for sinners. And so we know what the Christian is. We know who Jesus is. Then verse 14 and 15, we know how to pray. We know how to pray. 
says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. So we know how to pray. How do we pray? First of all, in verse 14, in confidence. In this, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to hesitate to go to God in prayer. If Jesus Christ came into this world, and he did, if he sacrificed himself on Calvary, and he did, if he was dead, died, buried, and rose again, and ascended up in heaven, uh, he did, and he's coming again, which he will, then that means we can have the confidence to go to God in prayer every time something is heavy on our heart. Every desire that we have, every need that we have, we can bring it before the Lord and he's going to hear us. And so we know how to pray. We pray in confidence. We pray in faith, believing uh, that God hears us. But then we always pray in verse 14 in his will. And that uh, if we, uh, I'm sorry, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And praying in accordance with the will of God. And uh, I'll tell you, oftentimes people want to kind of direct their lives and direct their paths uh, in reference to uh, their own will, their own desires, and they live a life of uh, uneasiness, disconnected, no confidence. And wait a minute, the Christian is, it goes beyond that. The Christian lives in the realm of praying to God with great confidence because we know that he wants to accomplish his will in our life and we can trust him to do so. Then in verse 15, we all know how to pray. We pray in reference to our petitions. In other words, things that are heavy on our hearts, things that we need uh, God to move and to bless in reference to. And so he uh, hears us. We know whatever we ask, uh, he's going to answer us in accordance with his will. And he always is ready to answer the petitions that we lay out before him. Our prayer time on Wednesday nights is so important because we're presenting our petitions before the Lord. Our prayer sheet is so important because we're laying our petitions before the Lord. Our 40 days of fasting and prayer for the election is us laying our petitions before God. Our 40 days of prayer and fasting, praying for the anniversary of the church. We're laying our petitions before the Lord. We know how to pray. We know how to present these things to God. And so that you may know, uh, we know how to pray. And then verse 16 through 21 Notice we know how to live. Now, in verse 16 and 17, we live by watching out for each other. Notice in verse 16, it says, And if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. And so we watch out for each other. That's why Paul says in Galatians, uh, brethren, if his man is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so we watch out for each other. This whole thing with COVID-19, everybody has been scattered. 
And uh, we ought to be watching out for each other. We ought to be calling each other up. You ought to have that church directory and going through it and calling up each other and seeing how things are going and seeing how people are getting along. We have the anniversary of our church coming up. Um, uh, we're wanting to try to get everybody together for the anniversary of the church. And uh, why? Because we want to watch out for people. People are hurting. There's people who have fallen by the wayside. And uh, they, they need to know that the, as believers, as Christians, we care about each other. And so we watch out for each other. Then in verse 18 and 19, we know how to live in reference to working out our salvation. Those in verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And so we work out our salvation. We know we're delivered. We know we've been born again. We know we've been born from above. And because of that, our salvation impacts our life in reference to how we live that life. And uh, we live it as a testimony of God's grace and God's mercy that's been extended to us and we live it out so that we can impact the world because the whole world is lying in wickedness and they need to see that there's someone, something, some way that your, their lives can be impacted in a positive way. And that comes through the believers in Christ living out their salvation, working out their salvation. Then verse 20 and 21, notice a witnessing of the truth. Uh, we live our life in reference to witnessing of the truth. Verse 20 says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding, that we, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, that we may know him that is true, and that we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I love verse 20 because it tells us here that God has given us an understanding based on the reality that we know him that is true. So we know what is right. We know what is wrong. And, uh, and this true God that we know is the one who has given to us eternal life. So we know that we have eternal life because of the revelation of who Christ is. And we're witnessing to the fact, we're confirming to the fact of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the Savior of the world, and He did sacrifice Himself for us. And so, First John chapter five is a great chapter because it tells us and reminds us of everything that we know. I shouldn't say everything; there's a whole lot of other things, but He hits it a whole lot in that one chapter. And every time we come to the communion table, I'm always moved uh, as I pray about coming in and having communion together. Uh, I just am always moved by the fact of thinking about all that Christ did for me on Calvary. Uh, thinking about the fact that before I got saved, it really didn't mean anything to me. Uh, and the fact that once I got saved, then God revealed things to me of all that Christ is. And sometimes I think we need to go beyond just saying, okay, we know Jesus died on the cross and he was dead and he buried and rose again and he ascended up on high. Uh, yeah, but there's more to the Christian life than that. There's more to it impacts our life that impacts other people's lives around us. And it's those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, knowing and be assured of the fact that God has worked all these things in our life.
And uh, it's listen, the Christian life, being a Christian is not just coming to church. Being a Christian is living our life out in the world in, the, in reference to people that are around us so they might be able to see who Christ is. We know these things. So uh, we just need to start living in accordance with them. I remember years ago, my dad, oftentimes I'd ask him about a situation or whatever, and he would tell me, he said, boy, you don't need to ask me. You already know how I think about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I know how you're going to respond on that one. Well, wait a minute. God has revealed to us a lot of things about himself that we already know. And then it's like we want to fall into sin and we want to get involved in the world. We want to do certain things and we try to act ignorant of it. Oh, well, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that as a Christian. Yes, you do. You know. You know what a Christian is. You know what God has done for us. We, we know. We understand what Christ sacrificed for us. So let's determine to live in accordance with the knowledge that God has given us uh, in reference to who he is and what he can do in our lives. Let's pray, and I have a couple of announcements for you. Father, I come to you. I thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. It's always precious to take of the Lord's table together. Uh, I'm thankful, Lord, that you have saved us and delivered us, and, Lord, you've given us new life. You've given us hope for tomorrow and, Lord, that as we uh, come together uh, in prayer, uh, we're reminded of all the precious things that you have revealed to us. I do pray, Lord, for the world that we're in. Uh, I do pray for our president and his wife, Lord. I pray for healing to be upon them. I pray, God, that you bring healing upon our land. I pray that you'd help us as Christians to help other people know what we know about God. And, Lord, that we might be able to see fruit from our, our lives uh, that will testify of God's grace and God's mercy. So I pray that you bless us now in a great way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just before you dismiss, I want to encourage